We're going to be in Acts chapter 1 uh, once again. We'll see how far we get tonight. So the Lord Jesus, we've, as we've covered all the way through verse number 11 so far, the Lord Jesus has ascended. How many days has it been since His resurrection? Forty days. All right, so, so kind of put yourself, as you read the narratives of the Bible, you have to put yourself in that place, especially because in our mind, you know, when we imagine the way things are, you know, places, times, and things like that, we think of it in terms of our own experience. But think about this time. This has been approximately 40 days since the cross, okay? Now, the cross was a huge spectacle in Jerusalem. And, you know, the Bible says in, in the book of Acts, these things weren't done in a corner. In other words, everybody knew, and we'll see something about that tonight, but everybody knew about the cross. But it's been a month and a half since the cross. Now, you think of our news cycle. How, what's the news cycle these days? Some big thing, like Trump was indicted yesterday, right? Was that yesterday? That was yesterday, right? Trump was indicted with federal charges. You know, he's going to spend, you know, if he gets convicted, he'll spend like, you know, 5,000 years in jail or whatever, you know. And, and, you know, everybody's satisfied, whatever. But like tomorrow, it'll be a blip. After that, a smaller blip. A week from now, Trump who? What indictment? You know, that's the way the news cycle works. Well, imagine it's been a month and a half from the cross. Now, of course, the resurrection, although we, it was a big deal to us, it's a big, it was a big deal to the disciples, to the world, you remember we studied John. It, Jesus said, I go away and ye see me no more, right? The world would not see him. And then he said to the disciples, but ye, ye shall see me. Be, talking about the spirit of God. And so the world, as far as they're concerned, Jesus died on the cross and was put in the tomb. And whatever happened to his body, they don't care. They've moved on. That's, that's history to them. It's been a month and a half. They have turned the page. They've moved on. And all of a sudden, Acts chapter 2, which we're not studying tonight, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these crazy guys are speaking in various languages in the temple about this same person who died a month and a half ago almost two months ago, a problem they thought was behind them. And it's just gotten worse, a lot worse. <laughs> That's what's happening here. So a month and a half approximately has passed. Jesus has ascended as we studied on Sunday. And then we read verse 12. Let's go, let's read verses 12 down to verse number eight, uh, 18, uh, 19. 12 to 19. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Luke says that they returned with joy. So they were happy. They weren't so much sad to see Jesus go. Somehow they had joy in that fact, no doubt because of the, the words of the Lord. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. 
And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, Did you know that Peter is always mentioned first in the disciples? Whenever there's a list, he's always mentioned first. So he's standing up, taking his place, a leader among equals. What's interesting is he is a leader among equals. And I say that because of verse 14, because the women were there too. Those who were not one of the 12 were also there. Verse 16, men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with a reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. That's nice. Verse 19, And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue, a keldama, that is to say, the field of blood. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your grace upon us, for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for your word. We don't claim to understand or know everything it says. Lord, there are, there are many things we do not understand. There's many, many things in your word yet to be revealed to us, even as we study, Lord, we we learn more and more. And uh, Lord, thank you for your people. Thank you for their faithfulness to be here. Thank you for those that, that can't be here for various reasons but are listening in. Thank you for those that can't be here because of they've been providentially hindered in some way. Lord, bless those and keep those among us. Lord, we pray that you would bless our time as we study the Word. Lord, please give guidance. Please teach us by your Spirit. Lord, we're as we've studied the, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and there'll be a lot more to come, but Lord, we are thankful for the presence of God in and among us. Thank you for how, how that you work in our midst. Lord, as we study now, bless your word, guide us, teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, in chapter, in chapter 1, verse number 12, they return to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. Verse 13 says this, They went to the upper room and noticed the list of the disciples. You have Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes and Judas the brother of James. Of course, I, uh, Judas Iscariot is not mentioned. There's also someone from John chapter 1 who we assume to be a disciple, but the Bible does not explicitly name him as a disciple, and that is Nathaniel. Nathan, in the same way that Joseph and Pam spelled their son's name, Nathaniel. It's not E-I-E-L, it's A-E-L. Nathaniel is assumed to be a, a, an apostle, one of the original 12, but he's actually not, not directly mentioned uh, as one. But what I want to do is I want to look at John chapter 1 really quick because there is a little bit of... Uh, discrepancy between the various lists of disciples' names, the twelve. Now, of course, there were only twelve, and the discrepancy is easily rectified. It's, uh, it's not so much true in, in America, but in, in Cambodia, there are often people that have, have more than one name. They have a name that they're, they're given name, and then they have a name that people call them. And it's a very common name. Simon Peter is one. Jesus named Simon Peter. He said, you're Peter now. But the Bible refers to him as both. So that might, might be a little unusual. Miss Judy, do you have another name people call you? 
Yeah, she ain't telling. It's probably what her husband called. I ain't going there. But, yeah, if, you, if you're married, look, if you're married, you ought to have two names. You're, you're the wife, you, if you're married, both of you ought to have two names, one that the public knows and one that is private. And it can be whatever you want. Keep those fires burning. So you have these names of the apostles, and in John chapter 1, you have what, we're, what I want to read is the story of how they first got introduced to the Lord. Now, we know the baptism of John is a big deal, and they've known the Lord from the very beginning, from the time of the baptism. Now, look at John chapter 1, verse 35. Again, the next day, John, after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto, they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So he was one of the two that said, that said, where are you staying? And Jesus said, come and see. Now look at verse 41. He findeth his own brother Simon, that's Peter, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is being interpreted a stone, which is by interpretation a stone, which is what Peter means. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, and the, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael. Now, that's where I was referring to. This is the, one of the few places in the New Testament where Nathanael is, is mentioned. Um, it is possible that Nathanael and Bartholomew are the same person when you look at, at the list of names, but we'll continue. We have found him who, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Now, in the list of the, there's a reason I read that, and you'll see in a minute. So in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and in Acts, chapter 1, which we've just read, are, are the four lists of the disciples. John does not have a full list. It only has a partial list, part of which we've read here. And the list of the disciples, the only names that really are, are, uh, are a little bit difficult to know who is who, is when you have Thaddeus, who's also called Labius, and then you have, uh, and then you have Bartholomew, although Bartholomew is mentioned in all four. And then you have a man named Judas, the brother of James. And then you, so you have James and John. So let, just follow with me. I'm kind of, my mind's kind of scrambled here, but follow, follow with me. You have Andrew and Peter. Andrew first met Jesus. Then you have Andrew and Peter. Then you have James and John. Their father's name was Zebedee, right? You have, you have Andrew and Peter, their brothers. James and John, their brothers. And then you have two others who aren't often mentioned. Judas, who is the brother of James. And there's another James. James, the son of Alphaeus. 
And he's mentioned in all four. So in all four accounts, you have Peter and Andrew, James and John, and then a James and Judas, not Judas Iscariot, the other Judas. They are the son of Alphaeus. And there's, then there's one more, depending on how you view Nathaniel, if he's Bartholomew. If you assume Bartholomew is Nathaniel, you have his association with Philip. Philip calls Nathaniel. So, although the Bible doesn't state it directly, it makes you wonder, maybe they were related. Maybe they were also brothers. The Bible doesn't say, but... So, what does that mean? Here's what this means. In this list, there's only 12. But if you don't count Philip and Bartholomew, you have half of the 12 are siblings. And what you read in this is that Peter was called to follow Christ by his brother. Now think about that a minute. This is the family dynamic within the disciples. These people were close-knit. Three sets of brothers, maybe a fourth set of brothers. That are, that are disciples. And those brothers, and, and, and I think reading, kind of reading between the lines, but also reading the text here, Peter, who is the, the primary, the, the kind of the lead disciple, you know, Peter, James, and John were, were the three kind of, they call them, they, they, they call them the sons of thunder, right? The, the primary leaders and the disciples. But Peter of those is the one, is, is the primary one. He's, he's the leader. And but Peter was, was led to Christ by his brother. And the other brothers were also, if you count Philip and Nathaniel, Philip called Nathaniel to go to Christ. Come and see. Here's why, here's why I thought that was interesting. Remember your family. Remember your brothers and sisters in the flesh. The Lord could have very easily called people that, were, that had no relationship to be disciples, and, but He didn't. The Lord called disciples, three sets of whom were siblings. I think, I think the lesson here is we need to remember our siblings and we need to redouble our efforts at helping them come, know the, come to know the Lord and walk with God. That connection that we have between our siblings is important. And we should, we should glorify God in that relationship. Glorify God in that relationship. The connection between the siblings is something that is, it is present in the Scripture. It is present in the very disciples. It is present in the fact that Peter was called to follow Christ at first by a disciple who's not really a big name, Andrew. But you have a Peter because of an Andrew. You have a Peter because his brother was following the Lord and his brother witnessed to his other, witnessed to his sibling. That's why you have Peter. You know? So, we should, we should not just say, well, they're different than me. Well, you know, that we should redouble our efforts at reaching our siblings. God is, you know, and I, I believe this. I've observed it. When I was in the Marine Corps, 
Um, you know, I, in Greenville, South Carolina, my unit was, was in Greenville, South Carolina. I mean, this is the belt buckle of the Bible belt, as they say, right? You know, in that unit of several hundred Marines, two to three hundred Marines, you know, I was the only Christian that, like, lived it and act like, acted like it, tried to act like it anyway. And there were other maybe believers scattered throughout there. They're kind of maybe nominal or, you know, maybe they didn't talk a lot about it or whatever. But basically, I was the only one. I felt alone anyway. And the Lord does that. The Lord will, I think, I believe from experience that he will intentionally isolate us. You know why? Because, because he doesn't, you know where, where all the little candles and all the little lights come together? Here. But then out in the world, among our other relationships, he puts lights in different areas because he wants to put one light, one, one little light in this room, one little light in that room, one little light in that room. He doesn't put, you often put two or three lights together in one room because he has other places for them, those people to go where the dark corners that need light. And so he separates the lights in the world so that the world has more light spread about. And so that's why you might feel like your, you know, your job, for instance, you're kind of isolated and there's not really anybody you can really fellowship with. But that might be true in your family as well. I know originally it was true in my family. But see, if you're saved, remember, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, chapter 8, right? Verse 8 of chapter 1. Start in your Jerusalem. There is no, there's no Jerusalem closer to you than your own siblings your own siblings. Here's another thing that's interesting, though. Go back to Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, please. On the way there, listen to this. Just as, just as trivia questions, I know Brother Joseph likes the trivia None of the apostles except Peter and John are ever mentioned by name again after this. None of them. And as I said, Peter is always mentioned first. Now, in verse 14 of our text, the Bible says, These all, that's the eleven, Continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Now, what we're going to find in the book of Acts as we go through it, and one day we'll, we'll study just this subject from the book of Acts, is that prayer is such a major theme in the book of Acts. But it's the prayer not of individuals, but the prayer of the body. That's what you find over and over and over and over in the book of Acts. With the women... That would be like Mary Magdalene and probably Martha and others like that. And Mary, the mother of Jesus. So Jesus' mother was there. One commentator I read, with, I thought was spot on. What is Mary doing? Is she receiving veneration? Is she being worshipped? No. You know what she is doing? She's worshipping. She's praying. She's part of the body. That tells you who Mary is and where Mary is. All right? Keep going. And with his brethren. That's the brothers of Jesus. That's the brothers of Jesus. Now, look at John chapter 7, if you would. I just got done talking about the, the feature of the disciples. You say, oh man, why is there lists of disciples? Well, hold on. 
There, you see three sets of brothers, maybe four sets of brothers within the disciples. It could be, very well be, that, that of the twelve, eight of the disciples were, were brothers. It's amazing. All right? And we know that they, 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 they had the, the dynamic of one brother was leading the other brother to follow Jesus. But there's another set of siblings in this same text. And it's the brothers of Jesus. Jesus had four brothers that we know of, and I think, or no, there are four brothers, there were, there were four siblings, I believe. In John 7, verse number 3, says this, His brethren, that's Jesus' brethren, brethren just means brother, it's not a religious word, it just means brother, his brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. Notice the, the word, if. See, they were skeptical that Jesus was doing all that, that he was reported of doing. And also you can see in verse number four how that they, they had a worldly mindset, did they not? Very worldly. In other words, they could not conceive of someone doing all these things without making a spectacle of themselves and making a big name for themselves, and Jesus was not. Oftentimes, whenever there were crowds, what did Jesus do? He withdrew. I love it, because that's like exactly what I would do. <laughs> but... That's what he, he withdrew, and they didn't get that. They did not understand that. They, that caused them to be skeptical, skeptical of the Lord and cynical of Him. And they said, if thou do these things, so they did not necessarily believe that He was doing all that, they, all that he, he said. Verse 5 tells us the reason. Notice the word for. That tells us, that interprets verse, verse, uh, verse number 4 above it. For neither did his brethren believe in Him. So they said that because they didn't believe. He was who he said he was. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. He's witnessing to his brothers. See that? The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Notice he, he, he identifies his brothers with the world. The world doesn't hate you. You know why? Because you're a part of the world, and I'm not. So he's, he's naming their sin. This is why you're acting like the way you're acting, because you're of the world. And I'm not of the world. Go ye up unto the feast, unto this feast. I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time has not yet come. Now notice that. Here's what I want you to see about this. The Lord's siblings didn't believe in him. Now I know you all knew that already. But isn't it such a wonderful blessing that we can see, we know that Jesus was 100% human to the point that he had siblings, right? He wasn't an only child. Mary was not a perpetual virgin. Mary had other children after Jesus, and he had siblings, younger siblings, that did not believe in him. Our Lord, then, is thoroughly relatable to us because of his humanity in this. We have siblings that don't believe in Christ, and he had siblings that didn't believe in him. 
We have siblings that are skeptical of our faith, and he had siblings that were skeptical of the truth. We have siblings that mock us and say nasty things to us, and Jesus had siblings that mocked him and said nasty things to him. And here's another thing you need to remember, that even though he was without fault or sin of any kind, yet his siblings still found cause to disbelieve in him. Think about that. that. You know what that means? That means in your family, you can be perfectly right with God in the very center of God's will, doing exactly what God wants you to do, and your family still reject the gospel. Because it's, it doesn't have to be your fault that they reject. It certainly wasn't Jesus' fault that they rejected the gospel. They rejected the gospel because they were of the world. They were sinful. They loved sin. They didn't want to believe in Christ. It, 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 it attacked their pride, perhaps. That family dynamic. Well, you know, there's a lot of things go, that go into that kind of relationship. But the point is... Just because your siblings aren't saved doesn't necessarily mean you're not, doing, you're not doing the right thing. You might be doing everything right. And they still won't believe the gospel. You know, I have a brother that's, that's out. You guys all know that. You've met him. You know, you could ask the question, well, why am I like this and he's like that? You know, there's, I don't know all that, but I know the Lord had brothers and sisters that didn't believe in him. And he did everything right. <laughs> he did everything right. So their unbelief came not from Jesus, but from themselves. This is the second family dynamic we see in these couple of verses. In verse 13 and in verse 14. The, the, the importance of us getting the gospel to our Jerusalem, to those closest to us, to those that are the most difficult to talk to. Now, let's go to verse 15. We'll see how far we can get. We're going to run out of time here in a minute, but verse number 15 says this, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of the names together were about 120. Notice it says the word disciples. Remember I told you, not, uh, I told you before that the word disciples in the book of Acts is actually, it's not common to use the term Christian. That occurs a couple of times in the Bible. But really, the word that describes what we would call a Christian is the word disciple. But that's to be made distinct from the 12 disciples. Now they're called apostles. They're called apostles. And so you have the disciples, which are different than the apostles, and the disciples are those that follow Christ and believe in Christ, and the apostles are the 12 that were chosen by Christ. Now, we go down to verse number 16. The Bible says, Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. Now, what is that talking about? We'll look at this, uh, this verse in the Psalms and in John. And then we, we will uh, go to John, I'm sorry, go to Psalm 41 to begin. Because Peter says, This scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which David said concerning Judas. Okay? So there's a scripture that David spoke that had to do with Judas, and we're going to look at it right now. Psalm 41, verse number, verse number uh, 9 
Now, if you read Psalm 41, what you'll find is there's nothing really in the psalm that stands out as a prophetic or messianic psalm. Like there's nothing really obvious that jumps out at you like you, like you would find in like Psalm 22 or something like that. But it's just you just go along and then you, ju- you just all of a sudden you come across verse number, uh, verse number nine and he says, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. You see that? Now, you can leave there and go to John chapter 13. Now, why is that a reference to to Judas? Because that's what Peter said. Peter said, David spoke concerning Judas. All right, that was the verse, Psalm 41. Now we go to John chapter, uh, Psalm 41, and then John 13. All right, this is the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. We'll start in verse number 13. John 13, verse 13 says, Jesus says, Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Now notice what he says in verse 18. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. All right, he's about to quote Psalm 41, verse number nine. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. You see that? Jesus says, the scripture said in Psalm 41, verse nine, that he that eateth with me hath lifted up his heel against me. That is obviously a reference to Judas. So what he's doing is he's interpreting Psalm 41. He's saying, oh yeah, by the way, in Psalm 41, verse nine, that's talking about Judas. And I'm telling you now, verse number 19, before it come, that when it has come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. And that's what Peter's talking about. They finally got it. But he says, I speak not of you all. In other words, he singled out Judas. And if you go up in the chapter a little bit, you will see this. Verse 8. Verse number 10, I'm sorry. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not, save to wash his feet. In other words, he doesn't need to be washed completely, except his feet. But he, but it's clean every whit, and ye are clean. Talking to the disciples, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So in this passage, you know what Jesus is doing? He's using Psalm 41, and, we're, and, and Peter's preaching, that's why I wanted to point it out, of Psalm 41, and saying that Judas would betray him. Now think about Judas Iscariot. We'll have to pick up, Uh, talking about Judas later, but think about just getting your mind what the Bible says about Judas Iscariot. In John chapter 6, the Bible says that Judas was a devil. Judas was not recognized as a devil among the disciples, though. Judas was not a true believer, 
And he was the only one among the 12 that was not a true believer. All the other 11 were true believers. Judas was not, but he looked the part. Judas was covetous. Judas was a thief. Judas apparently stole from the Lord's treasury. That is, he carried the bag and stole what was in it. Judas was with Christ all the way from the baptism of John until the garden. Because that's the, in Acts chapter 1, that's the requirement they put. Judas had been baptized. Judas had seen Christ's miracles. Judas had heard all of Jesus' teaching. Judas himself had preached the word. Judas had cast out devils. Judas had done miracles himself and was not a believer. Think about this. <laughs> None of the things that Judas did or was proved that he was saved, that he was a believer. Even with all that, he still went to hell. Even with all that, his condemnation was so severe that Jesus said it were better for him that he had never been born. You ought to meditate on that. How bad does, it, does, your, does your eternity have to be that it would be better that you had never been born? Even though he had, even though he was close to Jesus from the very beginning, heard everything Jesus said, there was a devil. A devil. Not someone merely controlled by the devil, but a devil among the disciples, those closest to Christ. You know what that tells us? That tells us that in, uh, among us, that kind of, among the church of God, that kind of stuff happens. If it happened among the group of the disciples, it definitely happens in churches. <laughs> but you note, you note and, and we'll, we'll maybe talk about this later, you note, though, the relationship between this imposter and money. Because he was, he was the one that carried the bag. He was the one that handled the money. He was the one that stole the money. He was the one that criticized people that spent too much money on Jesus. He did that. And he was also the one who sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. You see the connection between this traitor this devil that was in the disciples, not even that group was pure. The connection with this traitor and with money. You know, the Bible says very clear that the love of money is the root of all evil. Right? The love of money is the root of all evil. So there's, there's a strong biblical connection between wickedness and money. And it's present in in. Jude in uh, Judas. So it, the reason I say that is, you know, you think about Acts chapter 20 when, when, uh, Pete, when Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders. You know what he said? He was talking to the elders of the church and he said, even from among yourselves will men arise speaking perverse things. So that's why our church has to always be vigilant and have our eyes open and make sure that we're, the Bible says, to walk circumspectly, looking all around. That's what that means, looking all around. 
You know, the, the scary thing, and I'm just trying to tell you, not, not that I doubt anybody in here is a devil. I don't think anybody in here is a devil. But neither did the disciples. You remember at the, at the Last Supper? You know, they were, they were eating together, and Jesus said, Verily, verily, one of you shall betray me. What did they say? It's probably Judas. <laughs> no. What did they say? Is it I? What humility, right? What humility. Not, is it, is it that guy? Is it John? Is it Peter? Is it whoever? No. Is it me? Would I do that? You see that humility there? They thought, that's not beyond me. I might do that. Mm. But then what you also see from that is that they had no idea it was Judas. Not a clue. He blended right in. And the only person that knew his true identity was Jesus himself. And Jesus still loved him. And Jesus kissed him and said, Friend, wherefore art thou come on the very night he was arrested? This is Judas. And there's, there's a lot more to talk about with Judas. But we'll have to press pause there. All right, let's pray.